Hey everyone, welcome to Athena's Blueprint for Success. I'm Holly Smithson, Athena's CEO and your host for today's podcast. I want to thank our sponsors for today's podcast, our friends at San Diego Gas and Electric for making this possible. Now, I'm really excited to have uh, Lauren Miskelly uh, in the studio today um, as our featured guest this beautiful October. Um, and, and she has a really fascinating um, career path, which I'm excited to have her share with you um, because in my mind, um, there's a lot of risk involved. And, uh, and as they say, when there's high risk, there's high reward. So uh, with that, Lauren, I just want to welcome you and, uh, and thanks for coming on the show to share a little bit about your career journey. Thanks, Holly. Excited to be here. Excellent. So tell us how, so you're obviously um, um, an executive at Google. You've had an illustrious career there. I think we we're on oh, just over 13 years. What I like about your career track is that, and this is where, this is my standard. Um, it's not everyone else's, but where I see your career is every, on average, about every year or so, you're getting tapped to take on a new portfolio, to take on a new position. And your, your trajectory is that. I mean, it just continues to climb north and north and challenge you and push you. And there is a certain amount of um, investment and recognition in your potential um, through that career ladder. So I'd love to talk to you about um, how you got into tech, um, how you got into Google um, yeah. and your journey since then. Sure. Yeah. So I guess the first question, how I got into tech, uh, is probably a little bit of a unconventional path. Uh, I, I started in higher ed textbook publishing, uh, right out of college, uh, and actually came from a very non-tech background. So I was an English major, uh, and did not have a background in math and science or STEM. So, uh, but I, uh, in the, textbook industry, I actually started uh, in the editorial side, so, um, working on chemistry books was actually my first job was being an editorial assistant for chemistry books, uh, and then um, continued to work on in the math and science world, uh, I actually became an outside salesperson selling uh, all math and science textbooks to a set of colleges, so I would uh, be calling on professors uh, for chemistry, biology, math, uh, all your different subjects in math and science uh, without having a background in it, but learning how to bridge that conversation from not needing to be an expert in it, but being able to understand like what is important to them and you know what value do we bring uh, as the, you know, the pedagogical value to their um, teaching style. So that was really like my early foray into math and science. And then um, I just, as a salesperson, uh, was successful selling some of the first technology we had in the textbook industry, which was at the time, um, imagine now it's all in their cell phone and uh, all able to be done through, <laughs> through the web. But we actually had these like infrared clickers in the classroom for students to vote as like, to get more actually inclusion from the classroom. So imagine a big lecture hall and you know, you're asking a question, you get the same four people that are willing to speak in a thousand person room. Um, we would sell these clickers as we call them that were basically just trying to say, hey, let's get everyone to vote on, you know, do they understand this topic? And so, so to help the professor say, 
hey, am I teaching to my audience? Do I actually, am I going too fast? Am I going too slow? So that was, I did very well, like as we started to introduce that and really saw the power of technology uh, and what it could do. And that was like how I started to get more into the tech side within a pretty, you know, traditional publishing industry that's not known for tech. I love that. It, it's it's um it's almost like if uh you you know now we've got the instant reviews, right? The yeah. Instant feedback. Um, that was the earlier iteration of that um, capability, yeah. I guess. Exactly. Um, but so that got me into technology, and then um, when I started at I as it as it evolved, I got uh, a role at Google. So um, fast forward the story, <laughs> um, but the Early at Google, there we were selling at the time it was Google Apps for Education. Um, and when I joined Google, I was one of two people selling this product that was, um, you know, basically Gmail, Google Docs, and Calendar to universities. At the time, we had only a handful of customers, uh, and you know, I was excited. It it married my education interest and in having worked in education and the knowledge of working with higher eds um, with you know technology that I actually didn't know very much about at all when I joined Google. I knew I could talk to higher education customers and I was interested in it, um, but I didn't understand the technology at all when I joined and I was thrown into this um, massive opportunity. A um, no real plan of how we're going to scale this business and just, uh, you know, a good opportunity to figure out how do we build something that we believe is the right um, way to transform productivity and collaboration um, for our students. And, you know, how do we figure out how to scale this business um, in this market? So, you know, one thing, uh, one thing that we talked about that uh, aligns with um, your, your comments is when we talked at the very beginning of the pandemic, you and I were connected um, by our mutual friend, Aaron, and you're like, and I go, how is Google doing? How are you getting, you're overseeing the sales team. I'm like, how are you doing? How are you faring? And, and you're like, Holly, listen, you know, we hire for people that thrive in, you know, um, uh, not having ambiguity, right? Not knowing the answers much in the same way you did when you came in. I don't, I don't have mm -hmm. it all figured out. I don't have the answers. I don't have 110% evidence that this is going to work, that I'm going to succeed or that there's actually going to be a scalable market. So I come back to that because that's what you said are in fact the traits and the, and the characteristics that you actually look for in your sales team. And, and I love that parallel for the people in the audience who may be looking and saying, wait a minute, there's Lauren. She is an executive at Google. She's been there for over 13 years and she didn't have all the answers and look how she fared in the company. So I really wanted to call attention to that because I think that would um, land well for people that might use that as an excuse to not enter yeah. the tech field. Uh, and I always use it as for me, like when people ask for career advice about, you know, what's your five-year plan or what's, I, I always struggle to answer my five-year plan because if I had had one, every role I had at Google and then beyond Google when I left and now I'm back at Google, which we'll get into, no, most of those jobs did not exist mm -hmm. five years ago. The tech industry 
grows so quickly and innovates that if you are convinced that this is the job you want, you may lose sight of a job that will be created or a market that didn't exist when you started. And that has allowed me to say, hey, I'm gonna try something different and learn. And there are no experts here because it's never been done before. So you have to, you can't say like, hey, there's all these people that know how to do this because it's the first. <laughs> and, and I love that. I mean, it is it's definitely a, a growth mindset um, that you bring to the job. It's a little bit of a pioneering um, element to it. Um, and there's just being comfortable with the unknown, right? That ambiguity and, and going, well, okay, well, let's, let's create the knowns. That's what we're all here to do. <laughs> let's create certainty in a market that has some uncertain levers in order for, uh, for there to be productivity. So I, I, you're just a, a really, um, compelling, uh, case study in that and, and why that's a successful uh, set of traits. So let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about that because um, now you. So as I look as I look at your career history, and I just see this. To me, I think somebody who's got you know great talent, great you know skill set, high potential, should be tapped and moved up in one or two years. And when I see people in the Athena membership portfolio and the Athena community, and I see these women on LinkedIn, and they're sitting in a position in the same position for over a decade. And I'm thinking, and you and you bring a PhD, or you have a master's in comp sci, or you know, you know, genomics or data analytics, and you haven't moved. And and I I I, I try to I try to hold back judgment, but in my mind, I'm thinking, and then I see Lauren, I'm like, moving up, 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 up. You a you have to have the ambition. You got to speak up and say, hey, I'm open to you know taking on new assignments. B you have to have a culture that wants to invest in their female leaders. Um, and then three, you better make sure that you're indicating to your colleagues and your mentors and your sponsors, hey, somebody needs to raise their hand when we have a new opportunity and put forward Lauren or Susan or Kevin or, you know, whomever. So talk a yeah. little bit about how you were able to move at such a rapid clip. Um, yeah. In the Google and I think that's interesting because, yes, I don't have any of those uh, qualifications you just listed of the people you're looking at. Um, so I have imposter syndrome to them, but I think what, it's a couple things. One is, um, building this network of people that you like over the years. And what I, what kept me at Google for so long was building really strong network within the company, outside the company that you're in of people that you both like work very closely with tapping, you know, not, uh, I always like having strong sponsors at the end of the day is the number one thing that helps you in your career. And I unintentionally did that for many years. Like I didn't realize that's what I was doing. Um, but looking back, that is what I did. And I would be more intentional about it and the advice I give to others, but I, building a reputation of someone that does like follow through with commitments, does, is dependable, um, is willing to take risks, is willing to um, you know, try, try a new thing and fail, um, and is willing to reach across teams to get things done. Uh, that was something that I think early, if I think about my career at Google, it was building a really strong peer network, network of people above me, not just my management chain, 
So I was just having this conversation with someone yesterday. You know, things can change drastically all the time in your management chain. So having people throughout the organization that you may not work with them today, but if there's something you can collaborate with them, you never know where they will come back into your life at some point. And so many times throughout my career, it's been people that I thought like, oh, I'm not gonna work with this person again. And then for something they come up and there's a way that we end up working together again. And then an opportunity comes up over there um, that I wasn't expecting or they're on you know, your promotion committee looking at your promo and you didn't even know that they would be involved. And it's, so it was an unintentional nature of, I gave to someone else and it was beneficial to them and whatever project we were working on together. And in turn down the road, it paid back for me without really um, a plan around that. But um, as I've looked at my career, so much of it is through building those strong relationships throughout an organization uh, and doing it without expecting anything in return. <laughs> um, and that has, you know, now something I try to pay forward in a lot of ways. And I've seen it, my ability as I've, as I've moved up in an organization to do that for other women in the organization when they're not in the room and they're not raising their hand because many times I did not raise my hand um, and had someone push me and, to do that. And it, it's interesting how you said, you know, the, 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 the key to your success um, and, and being promoted and getting new assignments um, in a very short time frame over the span of, of 13 years uh, was because of your ability to network, to be able to operate inside of a heavily matrix um, enterprise like Google. Um, but that was instinctual, right? And so you started your career in sales. You're like, well, I don't know. I've got all these touch points inside you know, higher education. And I know at some point I'm gonna demonstrate the value to you. And then this is all gonna sort of um, make sense. And taking that just as a salesperson, instinctual, um, taking that into Google obviously served you well. You're like, no, it wasn't intentional, but that's just yeah. how I roll, right? That's how I, you know, my first part of your career, um, the career success was achieved. So I, I, I appreciate that it was instinctual, but for those that it's not, uh, to be more intentional um, is, is certainly uh, sage advice. The other thing that I heard you say that I just wanted to call out is, this notion that um, demonstrating your value, right? Helping on other teams. It's like, yeah, I'm just, so, so people are then gonna be raising their hand for you. Even then when Lauren's like, no, let me, no, no, I can. Okay, maybe that wasn't your instinct to get up, stand up and, and um, <clears throat> ask for collaboration opportunities. But again, to genuinely reach out and create value for other partners across other units, I think is, is um, something that can't be overstated. Yeah, it's, it's very important and find the places where you can create value. And I think also if there are areas that you're like, hey, I might be interested in this and I don't know if that's where I wanna take my career, find a small project to work on with that team and start to understand like, is that something that gives me energy, gets me excited, um, motivates me. And if that is, you will, you will create value because you have that, uh, the passion for whatever that project might be. And in turn, they're going to see that uh, and that will you know, create the right environment. So when something does become available over here, they will remember that 
that collaboration. You know, I, so as I, as I think about your impressive career track in Google, I know we, um, we met during the pandemic, um, the very, very beginning, right in the thick of it. And I'm just, I remember when we got on the Zoom and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get inside this woman's head. Like what is, what, I have to ask you, what was the biggest, um, I guess, challenge or um, stumble? Cause I know you had to have them cause we all did. <laughs> uh, but I remember when you were talking about it, Google and you said, Holly, she said, we hire a sales team to go out and sell. And from the very top, we're now telling our salespeople, we're not here to sell, we're here to serve. I remember, I remember you telling me that you're like, that's from the top down. And it was like, it's like going to tell an NFL team, Hey, stop blocking and tackling, uh, you know, stop scoring. Um, so talk a little bit, will you share um, some of the pain uh, or, or some of the, the struggles that were more pronounced during uh, Google and sales and yeah. the pandemic? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there, there is, there's the, what is the motivation and that um, <laughs> I feel like I've, somewhat blocked that whole time out, um, bringing it all back. Uh, but yeah, we were in a time where the priority was no longer um, just, you know, go sell, make money um, from these customers. Always like a customer first mindset we've always had. And you get to this point where like, hey, our product can really create a difference right now, um, specifically like collaboration and productivity, the space that I was in when everyone is remote and trying to connect. And how do you start to pivot to saying, hey, we're gonna give this away. I still have a team that's motivated and incentivized to make money and that's how we pay them. <laughs> um, and so the challenge of thinking about how do you do what's right for your team, what's right for the customer, what's right for the business um, and balance all of those things and have both a short-term plan, but also a long-term focus at the same time and make those trade-offs. Uh, you know, it's very hard. <laughs> um, you don't know if you're making the right decisions. You're dealing not only with business decisions, but you're dealing with people in the height of you know, the hardest time that they've ever had in their lives. So there's the emotional side of all of that. You personally, uh, you know, like I personally also am trying to manage a household of children home from school, my own. Uh, so you know, having to separate all those things, have empathy for your customers and for your team, and then also try to make the right business decisions. And you'll make multiple wrong ones, which is okay. But being I think what was important for me during that time was being vulnerable with the team of, this is hard for me too. Um, and also when you did make a mistake, owning that it, we didn't make the right decision here and we're gonna stop this, like plan one, we're gonna change and now we're trying plan two and being okay with pivoting the plan and being honest that you didn't make the right decision potentially in the first place. And that's okay because we're all, doing this for the first time. Uh, and that's happened, not just pandemic, but I think because I've been on a lot of teams at Google that were first of things, we made tons of mistakes. And I think what we did well um, and not well, but is recognizing those and not saying this was Holly's <laughs> fault or this, it was saying we as a team made this decision, it didn't work, we're going to try the next thing and being confident in the fact that like we will make mistakes and that doesn't mean we have failed. 
And, you know, everything that you're describing, um, it just sounds so textbook. It's like, yeah, that's what we do when we innovate. That's what we do. We're Google, right? Or any of the other players in the space. Um, but again, if you don't have that culture that supports and fosters that sense of vulnerability, and I know we, you know, that word vulnerability and authenticity, I know it's so overused, but there's a reason it's overused because it is the basic principle, I mean, it's the basic, um, the guiding principle by which all innovation either occurs or doesn't occur. So it sounds like you have that in spades. Yeah. And yeah, I, think I mean, I, I wouldn't understate it though. Like as much as it's overused, I've seen when people aren't vulnerable and innovation does fall by the wayside because people are scared to share their ideas or say when something isn't working and it slows everything down or ideas get thwarted. And it really does impact that innovation and the psychological safety of the team. Um, and ideas can come from anywhere on your team. So making sure that people feel safe to share good and bad really, I think, creates a totally different environment and pace of your team. I remember when, um, I won't name the company, but it's one of your competitors. In, uh, and they said, this company, the headline, the Wall Street Journal, where grown men come to cry. And I thought, oh my gosh, whereas if you don't come up with a great idea where we can create, you know, market share, gain new customer, whatever, uh, we're going to destroy you. And I thought, holy moly, very eye-opening. So I, I have to, you know, obviously there's, there's a high level of risk uh, appetite that um, folks in the tech field have to possess. And you certainly um, have your, um, have your share of, um, of taking risks, so much so that you left Google and you got recruited, uh, had an opportunity uh, to go uh, over to Plaid. So I'd love to hear about leaving, I call, you know, fat and happy. Uh, you know, I've been here for long enough. Everyone knows me. They know my potential. I've got, I've earned respect mm -hmm. from my colleagues. The sky's the limit. Um, and then to be recruited, which is obviously, a, 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 you know, very flattering and it's a new opportunity and you get to diversify, you know, because you're going to be going to a completely different environment. So talk a little bit about that, um, the comfort level, the risk level, um, and, and how that all uh, took place. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're somewhere for a really long time, like definitely you become comfortable. And um, I think where, when when I left Google, I, I was in a place where I, I loved my team. I loved what I did. I realized that I'd been trying to solve some of the same problems for many years. And from a um, personal like growth perspective, I wasn't getting the same excitement and energy around solving that problem again and looking at it and saying like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do the same sort of thing. Obviously the scopes get bigger, the problems change, but the primary thing I'm thinking about is the same thing I've been thinking about for many years now. And I don't feel like they, my team and my peers are getting the best out of me anymore. And I'm not getting the best out of Google anymore because I don't have the same passion and energy for this that I used to. And I, and I, at the time, like both getting recruited and talking to other companies and talking within Google, my whole goal was finding something that I could build and be scrappy and innovate. And whether that was at Google or outside of Google, 
as I started having conversations, just that excitement and energy came from the conversations with Plaid. And that's what got me excited and saying, hey, I, I've worked in a startup within Google before, and that's where I love the building phase. And I love the risky, like innovating phase. And I felt like I could get that at Plaid. And it was such a great experience to do that. And that's sort of my North Star is I wasn't going to take a role because I love Google and I do. And that's like, as a company, I love Google, but I had to love the role and love what I was actually going to be doing day to day, because that's how I knew that I would get the best out of myself and my team would get the best out of me. Awesome. And, you know, it's interesting that you call that out because with the she session and the recession and the uh the great pause and all those fancy um nicknames everyone is doing a wholesale uh evaluation about am i where i need to be am i being fully optimized in this company am i being fully respected in this company culture um and am i really bringing the best of me in inside this company today so um I, I think that's probably on the, the minds of a lot of people um, doing some Yeah, and it's a privilege to be able to like have that. But at the same time, like, I think I also, and from a risk assessment standpoint, have gotten to a point in my career, which has taken a long time to be confident in that I can take these risks and I will be, a, if it doesn't work or it's not what I expected it to be, I will be able to get the next role um, because I've earned that over many, many years. Um, but I think that the getting to that point has been really hard to have the confidence. And I, when I started having more conversations, I realized like, oh, I have done a lot here over many years and I should be more confident in what I can bring to another company or another role. Uh, and I think that takes a really long time and a lot of other people giving you pep talks. Um, and I think we as women a lot of times struggle with that more, um, but having your supporters and your cheerleaders around you telling you you can do this um, makes those risks a lot less scary. Well, we, we started this conversation with high risk and high reward starring Laura yeah. Miss Kelly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so interesting because where we're looking for external validation on our own capabilities notwithstanding what the CV says or what the LinkedIn profile says. It's like, where is the amnesia? Like, what have you seen your, <laughs> this is what I do when I see the women that come to our leadership yeah. programs. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? You're here for imposter syndrome. You're here to, you know, what are the top, you know, traits for, you know, strong leading women. And it, it, it again, and I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, to stand in judgment of people that don't yet have um, the level of confidence that their experience might suggest. That's not my, that's not my intent at all, but it is to know the human nature. And, and, and so the network and the sponsors and the mentors and being reminded of what is evidentially, very evidentially yeah. clear to everybody else but you, you're very capable, you're very accomplished, you're very talented. What I always tell everyone that I mentor is I'm very good at giving those pep talks. And then many times I remind myself to talk to myself the way I would yeah. give you a pep talk. And that's what I think we're all our harshest critics and forget sometimes. Yeah. Um, what we've accomplished. A amen to that. 
I remember my mentor said to me one time, he said, Holly, he said, let me tell you something. He goes, if you talk to yourself the way, oh wait, if you talk to yourself, no, if you talk to, if one of your friends talk to you the way you talk about yourself, you would have their head. Yep. And I thought, oh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I can't cut my, I can't cut myself out of my circle of friends. So yeah, no, I, I, I relate to that. Um, so let me just um, kind of put a bow on our conversation. I would love to, to have you, um, for those people that see women in tech as not a friendly uh, formula, um, can you give some, um, some guidance or some foresight on how you see the dynamics for women entering uh, or re-entering the tech field um, and where we are as we're in Q3 of uh, Q4 of yeah. 2022? Yeah, I mean, I, there's lot, many women in the tech field. There's obviously not as many as we would like, um, but I think that having the, uh, entering knowing you don't need to be an expert. You don't need to have everything figured out. Uh, majority of people at every level in tech are not, do not know what we're doing. We don't know. We're not experts in any of this. We're all trying to figure it out. So don't feel like because you don't have these 10 requirements on the job posting or haven't majored in this or had this experience, you're not qualified. You just need to be open to being curious, learning, um, and find your other strengths that you'll bring, um, because the strengths of do every, you need a team that has a lot of different strengths to be successful and having a team that all has one, you have a lot of deficiencies. So bring your strength to it and don't look at what you're not bringing. Look at all the things you are bringing that that team or that industry doesn't have and focus there and know that you will add value and add be additive to this industry because the more diversity and the more um, more people we have in this industry, the more innovation um, and progress we'll make. And then the more women um, and also the more um, BIPOC folks that are here, um, the better like solutions we will build for all. So I love it. Please join us. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you coming into our studio and sharing your story. Um, you know, uh, there's there's a, a saying and it says we can't be what we can't see. Um, and it's really, really important for women like you that have defied the odds uh, at companies um, besides in magnitude of Google that saw the potential in you and invested in you. And now you're obviously highly regarded across the tech field. So um, thank you for your example. Thank you for your template. Um, and I can't wait to continue watching you and seeing your impact um, in the tech field. Thanks, Holly. And thanks for everything you're doing for so many women out there. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again, uh, Laura Miss Kelly from Google. We are really excited to wrap up this edition. We'll see you next month uh, at Athena's Blueprint for Success. And thank you again to our sponsors at San Diego Gas and Electric. See you next time.